It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Athena will give you a great home loan, then help you get rid of it. Need training for residential, commercial or civil construction? Call Master Builders Victoria today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria. Get expert legal advice, become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. It's midday madness time. You call, you get on, so jump on the line. Your calls for the next two hours. Plenty coming up later on in the program. Brisbane Lions General Manager of Football, Danny Daly, is going to be on the program. The Dane Zorko handing over the captaincy story is a pretty big one in the last 24 hours. And it does ask the question straight off the top, is Dyson Heppel and the Essendon announcement next? And given that it's getting pretty late now, why haven't they pulled the trigger on the Dyson Heppel announcement? Uh, maybe Brad Scott has used pre-season to see who looks the best option to replace Dyson Heppel, but maybe no one's stood out. So are they going to stick with Heppel? But they're the next one to go. Geelong obviously has to make a decision on their captain, but they're not waiting for someone to step down. Hawthorne obviously has to make a decision on their captain, but they're not waiting for someone to step down. Fremantle needs to make a decision on their captain, but their captain's already stood down now at five. So all the dominoes are falling outside of Essendon, who are kind of next. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Danny Daly to join us a little bit later on. We'll find out who is next in the queue at Brisbane. But Dyson Heppel, if he ripped his hamstring tomorrow, and one of the reasons, it's easy to come up with a conspiracy theory that Dane Zorko was pushed when you know, Zorko announced at 30 days until the start of the season that he's stepping down as captain, uh, especially with every Lions interview we had heard so far this summer talked about how fit and firing Zorko is. He is in their best 22, but he's fit, but he did hurt a hamstring a few days ago, so maybe that swayed his opinion. If Dyson Heppel was to tear a hamstring, then he might make the same call, given that his fitness and his age might be a combo, like it has been for Rory Sloan handing it in at the Adelaide Crows, that would force his hand. But here we are, 29 days away, and Essendon hasn't made a call yet. So your thoughts on why? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll take a few of your calls on that. Still plenty of cricket to get to. We're also going to have a chat to Adam Collins, part of our commentary team in Delhi. We're two days away from the second test. If Cam Green and Mitchell Stark both declare themselves fit for Friday's second test in India, what is our 11? Did Scott Boland bowl better in the first test than Pat Cummins? They're not going to drop Pat Cummins. He did take two for 78 and Boland none for 34. But Cummins' two for 78 was... Uh, at virtually four and over, 3.8 and over. Boland bowled extremely well for no wickets from 17 overs, number 34 at two and over. So Boland did bowl well, but they're not dropping They're not dropping the captain, Pat Cummins. They would never do that. Travis Head in for Matt Renshaw. Is that a move that's automatic? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I presume in the, most people's eyes and the selector's eyes, he's in for Matt Renshaw and not Pete Hanscom. Dave Warner stays because they can't flinch react after one bad loss. Can they? But he's had one good innings in four months, so that's the other issue. Adam Collins to join us later, but you can jump on the line now or send through your text as well if you've got your 11. Who's it going to be? Because this is, it's a huge question heading into this second test, and we are 
only two days away from it coming your way on this station. And I won't be on on Friday because the cricket will be coming your way. So send through your texts as well. 0433 98 11 16 for 40 winks and temper, T-E-M-P-U-R. Temper mattresses, pillows. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 winks, serious about sleep. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number brought to us by Werribee Kia. I know Billy and Frankston, you're already there. Andrew and Nidri, you're on the line. And that open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six brought to us by Werribee Kia, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. So your calls for the next couple of hours, Adam Collins, Brisbane Lions General Manager of Football, Danny Daly. We're going to have a chat to uh, Fabian Krislovic from the Jack Jumpers as well, so I hope to get to later in the program. But your call's the priority, so let's go to them. Uh, Billy and Frankston, we'll start with you. Billy, welcome to you. Great to have you on the program. Uh, good morning or afternoon. Um, the price freeze. They should be freezing the food cost there, not the bloody price of going to the food, because it's actually not a bad price. Yeah, you can feed freeze the food prices yourself, Billy, by taking your own still. Yeah, I, I realise that, but reality is that sometimes you have to buy it there and the kids want to buy or something, you know? Yeah, I, I get that, Billy, but, um, you know, I, I think sometimes an explanation as to why we're not going to lash out on food. Hey, we're going to the footy a few times this year. We're going to take a couple of Sangers and a Thermos, uh, old school. But, look, I get it. I know everyone wants the food price. The AFL can never win. So the AFL announced that it's a price freeze for the fifth time in a year, fifth year in a row, and you can get two adults and two kids in for 54 bucks. So the AFL announces a price freeze for the fifth year in a row, and they can't win. People are whinging because, well, they didn't freeze food prices. Uh, still cost you so much for parking. Um, it's still a horror show getting to the MCG in the middle of winter when they shut the car park down. So there's going to be people that are upset regardless, Billy. I get where you're coming from, but... Uh, look, I used to take a Sanger to school. Mum used to cut me a Sanger. And, yeah, I'd want to go to the tuck shop and buy a, a custard tart. I love the custard tart and a finger bun, but um, I couldn't. I had to eat what mum gave me. And sometimes it was a pig's trotter, and that's all I had. That's what the family had left in the fridge. So that was what I was eating for lunch, even though I stank everybody else out, and they laughed at me. So, Billy, um, cut a sandwich. Uh, but apart from that, great to have you call. And I've got something for you as well, a signal to boost power bank for being our first caller Valid at fifty nine ninety five. Signet Boost Power Banks will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty four seven. Appreciate your call, Jeff in Manor Lakes. You there, Jeff? You got a thought on the Australian Eleven? Yeah, I do, Dwayne. Um, the what, what I think we need to do is head. My Eleven would be Head, Quaja, Smith, Labuschagne, Anscom, Green, Terry. Summons, uh, Lion, um, the Victorian Spinner, and Kuna. Murphy, yep. Especially if it's spinning. If it's so, not spinning, then yep. I'd have Stark in for Kuna. Yeah, the hard part is... Look, it looks like Stark is going to declare himself, but at the moment, and we'll find out from Adam Collins a little bit later on, there's more rumblings toward Cam Green not declaring himself. He could play as a batter, but at the moment, um, it's it's looking like Cam Green might not declare himself. But you, you're probably on the same page as a lot of people, Jeff. Uh, open with Travis Head and drop Warner. I can't see them doing it because with Warner's performances the way they are, uh, do they want him to play in the Ashes? And if you drop him now, does that mean you're kind of done with him? 
for the rest of this series in the Ashes. Where does that leave Warner if he's dropped now? Is it is it only a one-test thing, or is is it kind of an indication that he could almost pack his bags and come home? No, I think I think you've got to pick for the conditions and, and his form at the moment. Hedge in better form than what he is, and then you, you make up your mind. Like Warner will go to the UK, but what I think, hopefully they do have some practice games there. And if Warner fires in the practice games, you have Warner opening and then back to pocket. Appreciate you, Carl. We're just losing you there, but I appreciate you jumping on the line. Uh, uh, 1-300-736-736, if you've got a thought on this. 1-300-736-736, Jeff in Manor Lake. Spiros and Carnegie, you want, uh, you've want you got a Travis Head into the Australian eleven on your agenda as well. Welcome to you. How are you, Dwayne? Yeah, good. Uh, with the... I'm getting feedback here. On my phone. Uh We'll let you fix your feedback, uh, Spiros. I appreciate you, Cole. Uh, I think you're uh, right now, Spiros. Welcome back to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah cheers. Thanks, mate. Um, when those guys went out, we look at Warner, um, Labuschagne and Kawaja. They're quite actually aggressive players. Now, the way that they played the spins, I don't understand why they played the way they did, so as if they were scared to use their feet. I mean, and they're naturally aggressive players now. What would have been really interesting, we're never going to know till, unless he, until he plays, is Travis Head. He's also quite a, an aggressive player. Um, and they say, I don't know, they say that he can't play spin, as I've been reading. But um, uh, he, may, he might consider himself lucky that he didn't play. But I'd like to see him play. And I'd like to see Warner and all those guys, if they play again, um, to come down and use their feet to the spinners instead of playing like back from the crease. I don't understand why they played so conservatively. Uh, the way that they did with those guys, because they're, they're all aggressive players, as you've seen them in, in the past. And I, I don't understand why they played that way. I'm not sure what you think about that, the way that they uh, went out. Well, they obviously went on previous experience and said, Travis Head, you're not good enough against spin in India to play you there. So that's what it, that, what's what it spoke to me. I'm not sure if it spoke to Travis Head that way, but it seemed that way. Um, he didn't get a chance. The new Travis Head didn't get a chance to prove himself in the first test in India to show, no, I've improved. I'm a better cricketer. I am an aggressive batter, but I know when to take my chances and when not to. So I would have loved to have seen him play, not actually be dropped on, you know, previous um, inadequacies and the fact that they don't believe that he'd improved enough to make his way into the Australian level 11, even though he should have won player of the series against South Africa. I mean, it was Warner was lucky that he won it in most people's estimation. Hey, great to have you, Carl Spiros. Really appreciate you jumping on the line. Andrew and Nidri, are you there, Andrew? You got a thought on Dyson Heppel and the Essendon captaincy? I do. And the problem we've got as an Essendon supporter, and I think the Essendon people, uh, uh, selectors have got, he's not in the best 22. And that's the problem. He's, well, I shouldn't say he's not the best 22, but he's fighting for the last spot in the best 22. Um, because the only position I can see him playing is in the back pocket. Because Redmond and Langford will take the wings. McGraw will take the half-back flank with uh, Jordan Ridley. And Laverde will be in the other back pocket. And that back pocket position is, is where uh, Kelly plays and the new guy, Montgomery, uh, might take. Um, so he's fighting for that last position. and not So... It'd be a bit embarrassing to drop your captain, put it that way. Um, 
even though, you know... Yeah, can't, um, they're not dropping Cummins. Well, no, they're not, they're not going to drop They're not going to drop the captain. If they select him, they won't drop him. They'll put him in. Um, but I think they're weighing up where to play him because they, 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 he's not going to be on the wing and he's not going to be on the half-back flank. Mm. That's my opinion. Yeah, so that's but, the hard um, part. You've got, to, you, 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 yeah. you've got to work out now. You've got to work out now. Is he going to be a regular in the 22? And yep. then yep. work out, okay, well, we don't want to be dropping our captain two or three times during the year. We can't be going no. through that process because that's a distraction we don't really want. Here's Tim Watson on Dyson Heppel from breakfast this morning talking about his thoughts that Dyson Heppel might not be in the best 22. And if that is the case, then they do have to make a decision because you don't want to get to round three and be considering dropping your captain, and that being the big story around Essen. Here's Tim Watson from Breakfast with Gary Lyon. He is a great clubman. I don't know whether you know much about Dyson Heppel, but uh, he wins the best clubman type awards year after year because he's very sensitive and very empathetic towards people, that type of thing, and he's love within the dressing room at Essen. Mm. Having watched him play, and this is purely on watching him play, mm. I would think he's reaching that period of his twilight of his career yeah. where – He's not necessarily going to be a walk-up start certainty to be in the team, so that's why I thought that okay, they were moving on, and you know they're going to find another leader. Whether it was going to be a singular leader or whether it was going to be dual captaincy, whatever it was going to be. Yep, I agreed. I thought that. that I mean, you've watched him play. Yeah, no, I thought he's. Do you think I've summarised that no, accurately yeah, or not? I do because there was a time where he didn't look like he's a walk-up start to be in their best eighteen. Right. Yeah, and it happens. Look, it happens to everybody. Like you does. get to a point in your career where you know you're no longer one of the better players, and uh, somebody else takes your place inside. So that happens. But I don't know whether you can go into a season. I think you'd need to think long and hard about the fact if you're going to name your captain, they would they would have to be somebody that you consider is a walk up start to be playing when they're fit each and every week. So there it was, Tim Watson. Uh, he knows Essendon uh, intimately. Gary Lyon as well on breakfast today on SEN. So it kind of does ring the bell. Dyson Heppel might not be in the best 22, so do you pull the trigger now? But you want to hurry up. It's 29 days out from the first game of the 2023 season. Back to your calls. Straight back to your calls for Midday Madness and your texts for Midday Madness. Keep them all coming through. If you want to jump on the open line, we'll have a chat to you. You call, you get on the first couple of hours of the program. Uh, yours Brisbane Lions General Manager of Football, Danny Daly, and Adam Collins in Delhi a little bit later on. Some texts that have come through, 0433981116, and that open line number, if you want to dial the number for Werribee Kia, 1300-736-736, and you can get in the queue to have a chat to us as well. Uh, Heppel has been in the top few players all pre-season. That's come through on the text, and playing on a wing from what I understand as well. So not the back pocket role, but a wing role. Uh, Heppel should stand down. That's from Tom. Uh, old school, Thermos and Sangers from home. That's how he grew up. My eight-year-old loves her school lunch, and he's happy with that at the footy. Phil, yeah, that's how I grew up as well, but um, that's probably not the way that families are going these days, although surely you still pack a lunch for your kids in a box at school. Uh, Dwayne Warner's had one good innings in two years. Uh, that's from Wolfman Jack. Thanks for that. Uh, Dwayne, you said Warner's had one good innings in four months. I think you meant to say four years. Um, dropped the captain. He was bowling pie, so not everyone a Pat Cummins fan. Pat Cummins bowled garbage in the first test. Boland did his job, built pressure and held up an end so the spinners could attack the other end. Cummins bowled full out of the leg side and was a liability. Uh, captain was our worst bowler in the first test. Murphy bowled incredibly well. Agar should be sent home. Not sure 
while they still persist with him. Tim in Moriart. We do need net bowlers in the nets as well. There are a lot of players who do tour but don't get a test. So that happens quite often. Um, Dwayne, does the AFL control the food prices or are they set by the catering company? Um, maybe part of the contract. Then it is all part of the contract. They win the contract and it's supply and demand. If you're charging, if, you can, if you're selling every bucket of chips that you've made at the venue for $50 a bucket, then why are you going to reduce it to $17 a bucket? You might as well keep selling them at 50 So if people are buying them, um, they can keep naming their own price, really. No need to ask the callers. Russell, head in, rent your out. Simple. Keep your text coming, 0433-98-1116. Dwayne, you have to play Stark if he's fit. Uh, it's the foot marks which will assist uh, the Aussies to be competitive, Ben and Cranbourne East. Uh, what if Head comes in and makes a pair? Well, that's the danger with anybody, isn't it? They come in and don't quite perform at the level. But the team that we put out there got rolled in three days, so they didn't quite perform at the level either. Richard in Box Hill. Welcome to you, Richard. You got a thought on the selected 11 for the second test? Yeah, thanks, Pipe. I actually agree with you. If they're going to base on not playing Head because of past like innings, even though he was clearly player of the series for us uh, this summer, um, then... I don't know how you can persist with Warner, not not just his last innings in Australia, but his last five years overseas. He's been a bit of a flat-track bully. When we've needed him to stand up in an Ashes series in England, he's gone missing. So you might as well, you know, even if you have to lose the fight to win the war, thinking of the um, Ashes series coming up, you've got to put in some, some other players. Head has to come in, and they've got to look for another opener. Yeah, so do you think they'll... Do that though, Richard. How do you, it's hard to know what the selectors are thinking. Pat Cummins is part of the, well, a big part of the selection process. So it's hard to know what the selectors are thinking because no one pre the first test thought in a million years they were going to drop Travis Head based on what he'd done years ago. I know, but they, we, have this, we have this tendency to keep these players. We say that they've earned the right to play on. I mean, it happened with Ponting, and I love Ponting, but he played on for probably a little bit longer than he should. I don't know why we say that. If he's not delivering, we're actually putting one player ahead of, of the team, and we're denying, yeah, if we drop him, he's dropped, and he's probably not getting back in, but that can't be the reason to not drop him. Hold the line, Richard. Got something for you. You've got four tickets to the Melbourne Beer Fest, Katani Gardens and Kilda, Saturday, 25th of February. Tickets at www.beerfestivals.com.au. We've got a few of those four ticket packages to the Melbourne Beer Fest to give away at Katani Gardens. So keep your calls coming. Heap to give away in the opening hour of the program. Uh, bottles of Starwood, twofold double grain Australian whiskey. Thanks to Hairy Dog Summer of Aussie Spirits. You can check it out at hairydog.com.au. We've got Signet Boost Power Banks. We've got Brick Lane Brewing Vouchers as well. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions. And the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Going to take a quick break for news and then come back to more of your calls. So jump on the open line. one three hundred seven three six seven three six for Midday Madness. A couple of texts on the way to the news. I mentioned I got sent to school uh, with pigs trotters. Um, one here from Teresa in Lismore. My butcher sells pig trotters as dog chews now. Um, yeah, look, uh, my dad was in the butcher game back in the day, so... Uh, pressed tongue sandwiches, stuff like that, quite a bit. Uh, I never really liked the sweetbreads, though, when he brought those home. Uh, Jim Bob of Heathmont, Hebel may see his most valuable contribution to the team is being captain. Being a good leader is just as val- a valuable skill as playing skills. That said, I would like to see some villain, mongrel, in him for his last year as a captain and player. And, Jim Bob, you make a pretty good point. Maybe... 
That's what Brad Scott is seeing as well. Maybe he's assessed it all summer, and he's thinking our most natural and best leader is Dyson Heppel. There's no one standing out to me so far to take over, so maybe we are better off sticking with Dyson Heppel, and maybe we do need his captaincy skills either in defence or on a wing, and he's got to be of most valuable, of most value to us as the captain, even if we do have to drop him once or twice. If we need to bite that bullet, we'll bite it at the time, but he's our best leader. Rob and Essendon will come to you shortly, but Tom and Berwick, uh, welcome to you, Tom. Hey, Kate, Wayne. Uh, I want to speak to you about um, Travis Head and his non-selection. You contacted during the, um, the, Ash, the, the, the test series recently in Australia. He was so far away our best batsman. And I, just, I, I can't fathom how you drop him for Renshaw, who, to be quite frank, has not got the CV or the runs on the board either to demand that test spot. What are your thoughts? Well, it was... It was perplexing to me because I didn't see it coming for starters. It was more the Matt Renshaw um, versus Pete Hamscom argument I was having in my mind as to who would you drop um, if you brought Travis Head in. Now, Pete Hamscom obviously want a right-handed batter. They're all scared about the pitch. Uh, it's set up for the left-handers to fail, so they wanted to change that dynamic. But, yeah, I thought Travis Head, because of the value of the runs that he scored, it wasn't the volume necessarily that was, that was overwhelming but he made a couple of scores that in the context of winning those tests were critical so that's why you know even if he played in this test and he made 35 and 70 then at least I could see that the value that he would have brought I think at number five is something that I'm still a little worried about are you going to reduce that value if he opens and there is one text here uh, why can't Renshaw open the batting and bring head in at five Renshaw was picked as an opener when he first came into the team. So are we taking uh, part of the beauty of Travis Head at number five away from him as well by bringing him in as an opener suddenly, as a, you know, a flinch reaction? Yeah, I, find it, I just find it strange. Like, I think Head, the way that he bats, he, he generally goes to run a ball. So, you know, he might not have to face 150 balls. He, get 50, he might get 50 or 60 or 70 balls. So I think in yeah. India, where... You are going to get the good bowling. I think why not make hay while the sun shines and just let him play the way he plays? Yeah, we could say that about Warner too because Warner quite often can make you, you know, 30 as an opener or off 35 balls as well and it gets you the perfect start. So, yeah, the aggressive opener is a win if it wins, but it's a big loss if it doesn't come off because you're saying, well, he shouldn't have played that shot. Why are you being so aggressive as an opener? But, yeah, good discussion, Tom. I really appreciate you jumping on the line. By the way, speaking of the captaincy and Dyson Heppel, uh, news just in. The Western Bulldogs have announced an unchanged leadership group for 2023. So Marcus Bond and Pelly remains captain for a fourth straight season with Jack McRae, vice-captain Caleb Daniel, Taylor Jurey and Aaron Norton rounding out the leadership group. So that's confirmation from the Dogs that there is no change at the Dogs. John on the road is waiting on the line. So I might go to you, John. Are you ready to roll? Yes. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Wayne. Yeah, this um, Trevor's Head saga uh, takes me back to the Dean Jones um, action. He had averaged, I think, around around 80 in his really got dropped. But in this case, um, the, the, the Aussie team's looking for stability. And if a captain with some emotional intelligence, if he doesn't realise that something like that destabilises the team, then he's got some work to do because... The excuse of him not having the experience as a in a sub 
against spinners and he's got everything else, well, how do you gain that? How do you make an integral part of your team experience even in this area? And he was in great form. He was seeing it like a watermelon. This was a great opportunity to have well-rounded him off. And I reckon he would have been... He would have done the job, but he certainly deserved an opportunity. I think he's been done a, a disservice because if he has a slump of form, then they can wear that. And I think... Um, Cummins has got a lot to answer for. I agree with you wholeheartedly, John, in that if he was ever going to perform well in the subcontinent, it was with a confident uh, summer coming out of Australia behind him. So he was going to hit that first test full of confidence. Now, he might have failed, but at least he was having his best chance to achieve. And here we are. We dropped him. And what's that going to do to his confidence? Straight back to you, Rob and Essen. And I know you're on the line. I want to read a couple of texts first. Uh, completely different conditions in India. It's like comparing Wimbledon with Roland Garros. Plus, they were practicing in India against spinners. Maybe Head was struggling, question mark. Well, that could be the case. Um, but we didn't get that reported by any of our guys on the ground. But you're right. It might be the case. Hey, Dwayne. Cummins bowled too full early and paid the price. But he looked to take wickets. Boland was economical, but never really threatened as India were happy to block or leave him. Stark, Green and head in. Boland, Renshaw and Hanscom out. That's from Ben in Adelaide. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Travis Head travelled to Sri Lanka whilst in the midst of these two great summers and scored 6, 12 and 5 and looked all at sea. Surely we can see. See how the Gabba is different to Nagpur. Worlds apart. People are so short-sighted. Thank you. Uh, Warner's average in England is woeful. Drop him now. Send him to England now. In, to prepare in county games in the conditions on form. He doesn't warrant selection to India or England. That's from Rowan in the Docklands. Uh, Dwayne Warner has used all his credits, uh, which all very good players should be afforded, but he has been horribly out of form for nearly a year and a half and has been lucky to survive until now. Time to pull the trigger. That's from Damien. So many saying Warner should go. One here, Warner's technique and confidence is worthy of selection this next test, although Renshaw's confidence would have taken a knock. I'd back him to open and getting yourself in on turning wickets in India is the toughest assignment in the game. So keep your text coming. Uh, another one why would they want Warner for the Ashes? He's made one century in three years against the very average side in South Africa. Warner is terrible in England. Timmy Morty Alex has a few. Giving Warner a whack. Robin Essendon, welcome to you, Rob. you got a thought on all of this. Welcome. Great to have you on the yeah, program. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Um, yeah, I think they're missing the, uh, the major trick. I think they have to be bold, and uh, well, this next test, if they lose, the uh, the trophy's gone. So I think they they have to get rid of Lyon, whose whose record against India is terrible. He's never he's never hurt India in so many series. So I think now he needs to go because two off spinners is just no variation in the side, and two right arm. Fastball, there's no variation either. So if Stark's 70% fit, I'd bring him in. He bowls for a lot of heart, even when he's not fully fit. And I'd warn up, no-brainer, has to go. Bring in Head and bring in Cam Green just as a batsman as well. Um, and, yeah, that's what I what I think should be done because I, I, I'd bring in Kuhneman, you know, just, uh, I mean, Todd Murphy debuted, look at him. Um, so why not bring another debutante, you know? That's, what, that's my thought. Big call, dropping the goat. Big call dropping the goat, isn't it? Yeah, but he, Nathan Lyon. He's only, but he's never hurt India, even in Australian conditions where he is good. And I do agree, he's been a great bowler. But uh, he just uh, India's knowing like the back of their hand, you know. He's, he's they're so used to playing him, and he just won't hurt him. I can't see him doing any damage. 
Rob, great to have you call. I really appreciate you jumping on the line. Hold the line. You've got a Brick Lane Brewing voucher coming away. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, perfect for all occasions, and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Uh, quite a few texts coming through uh, suggesting that it's an obvious change, that it has to be head in to open and worn her out. But the suggestion of dropping line, that would be very radical and a big flinch reaction if they drop line. I can't see them doing that as much as I can't see them dropping the captain, Pat Cummins. Uh, Uzi, Head, Manus, Smith, Hanscom, Green, Carey, Stark, Bolan, Lyon and Murphy. Uh, thanks for that text as to your 11. Uh, Dwayne, you're in the know with everything. Geelong, when will Dangerfield, Stewart or Blitzars be named the next captain? Gray, well, they've got a game against Hawthorne next Friday. So this Friday week, I think it'll be named, if not then, um, in the days pretty quickly after. So I am expecting some sort of announcement from the Cats within days, but it might not be until the eve of that game against Hawthorne. But that game against Hawthorne, uh, I'm looking forward to going and having a look at it Friday week. It's a six-quarter game, and we're getting pretty serious now. It's 29 days out, so you don't want to be leaving these decisions to too late. And Geelong have got some pretty obvious candidates. Surely Chris Scott, who's been there forever, um, he would know right now who he believes would be the right captain. Uh, he knows whether in his own mind it's Tom Stewart or Patrick Dangerfield. I'm not sure there's much more that Stewart, Dangerfield or Blitzars can do in the next week to sway Scotty one way or the other. But maybe there's a player vote still to come. I'm not sure. Maybe the players are going to have an impact on that decision. But regardless of what the players vote, they still have to make a call themselves as a football committee, I think, in the best interest of the club, even if the vote comes up overwhelming in one guy's favour. I'm not sure that they would go with that just on the basis of the vote. Great to have your company for... Midday Matters, Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria. Get expert legal advice. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And we're here for Athena Home Loans. Pay down your home loan faster with Athena. Uh, one here on the text. Press tongue. My mum made it and I loved it. Teresa and Lismore. So Teresa and Lismore, not just a pig's trotter eater, but also a press tongue eater. Straight back to your calls and your texts for Midday Madness. A couple of texts that have come through. Uh, the GOAT, please. First game, I made him look average. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, I dropped the goat too. Doesn't scare anymore. So there's a few coming for Nathan Lyon to be out of the 11. Thanks for your text. Um, couple here. They are voting for the Geelong captain on Thursday, just so you know, Dwayne. Uh, so thanks for that tip-off. Uh, this texter with no name also saying, also hear about the delays at GMHBA Stadium. I don't think that stand will open this season. Wow. So uh, I know they are voting on the captaincy, uh, but I haven't heard anything about GMHBA Stadium uh, not being open for the season. I'm hearing that it's going to be open in July. So uh, I hope that uh, it's going to be July. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Hawks game is Thursday pipe. That's from Daniel. Thanks for that clarification. It is tomorrow week. So Geelong and Hawthorne tomorrow week at GMHBA Stadium. Uh, it's a four o'clock start time for a six-quarter game. So looking forward to heading down there next Thursday straight after the show. Um, another here on the changes to the Australian eleven. Uh, out McDonald in Langer. Thanks for that text as well. Uh, we did have a couple of callers on the line, but I think uh, one or two have dropped off. So jump on the line. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the open line number. In fact, Richard in Cowes is on the line, wants to talk about the Tigers. Richard, welcome to you, Richard. Great to have you on the program yeah. again. Uh, thanks, Dwayne. Dwayne, look, you know, the reason I rang was I spoke to Mitch. I just said, how do you think the Tigers will go? He said, maybe okay. Look, the reason I rang, Dwayne... Um, 
we've got Murphy, who's played very well in that first test match. Now, if Lyon doesn't get wickets, and Ashwin got wickets, and Jadeva got wickets, and Murphy got wickets, and Lyon's so good, why can't he get wickets? Well, everyone has a, a day off or a test off. Not everyone performs every time they're out there. I'm not sure, well, Richard, why, but well, Warney well, struggled on the subcontinent. Well, when I say struggled, wasn't at his best in India either, like he has been in Australia and in England. Well, I tend to think we're about to find out how smart they are. I mean, if they're talking about bringing Stark in and maybe either Hazelwood or, or three quicks, I wonder if Lyon plays or Murphy plays. Now, it's not rocket science. Anybody who drops Murphy to play Lyon is picking your mates. Well, they're not going to drop Murphy. You can't drop Murphy after he had a seven for. That would be, well, that's, that, that, would be that's crazy. That would I mean. be crazier well, than dropping head. Well, that, that, well, why was he dropped? Why was he dropped? <laughs> that's the, yeah, that, that's the crazy stuff. Well, he was dropped because he got another right-hander in there. And they didn't trust his form from his, you know, few innings that he's had on the subcontinent previously. Yeah, but I put Renshaw in and he failed anyway. And he's a left-hander. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I know that. Uh, Renshaw was in as a, uh, a left-hander and Pete Hampscomb obviously came in. And that wasn't a surprise to a lot of people, but head being dropped was. So, you know, of all the people to drop. But I can see, well, I can see at least, they'll make at least one change with with head coming in. So who... Who departs for him? Is it Warner? Is it well, Renshaw, Renshaw, or Renshaw? Is it Hanscom? Well, Renshaw won't play, and of course, well, Hanscom may play, but um, if Renshaw is injured, Head's got to play. But the intelligence part is, if it's only going to be one spinner, who are they going to pick? Their mate or Murphy? No, they'll pick both. I can't see them picking. I can't see them picking Lyon and dropping Murphy. Um, but if they do, Richard, uh, then we might change midday matters from three hours to seven because I reckon you could take calls on that for seven hours. And quite a few coming through on Nathan Lyon as well. In fact, Mark and Danny on North wants to talk Nathan Lyon, but a couple of texts on the way to you, Mark. Uh, the GOAT, most overrated of all time. There's one on Nathan Lyon. Um, there's a couple of other similar ones coming through as well. Mark and Danny on North, you've got a thought on Nathan Lyon as well in the selection of the Australian Eleven. Welcome to you. Great to have you on the program. Thanks, Dwayne. Um, I just want to make a comment. If you go back to the last series India played in Australia, look, I love Nathan Lyon, but he, he struggled on four fifth eight pitches. India won the series back here, and I just think he struggles against India. Is that because they're so good at against spin and they face spin all their lives and their spinners are the best in the world so they're facing the best spin all their life yeah I, I think so but um, it's the same old with him um, and which is well, why Murphy no got doubt, wickets you think because it was something new yeah definitely so Murphy's got to stay on the side but yeah I would have probably uh, dropped Lyon for the next test mm. well I don't think given the texts that we've got coming through um, it would be that big a cage rattler as it was when they dropped head, if they dropped Nathan Lyon, given how many texts are coming through, kind of suggesting that it's not such a bad idea. Hey, really appreciate your call. Mark, um, then Danny on North, a couple of other texts, um, a few South Australia. Well, Graham from Brisbane 
thinks that Hebb was dropped because he's a South Australian. So there was a bit of that sentiment as well. Look, they did get one selection right and one selection wrong. So they did drop Agar from the Sydney test and brought in Murphy. So that selection they got right, as I said yesterday. Uh, India might still be batting now if we didn't play Murphy. If we'd have played Agar and Lyon as the tandem, then they could be, you know, they could be eight for 2,000 right now. Um, another one here, I really believe the Cats will have a player vote and Chris Scott will quickly ratify the captain with the outstanding character of the three nominated captains. Scott will trust his players. So maybe you're right. Maybe they will just go with the player vote on Thursday. The Cats and whatever the player vote comes up with, maybe they'll put those three in for the player vote only. Maybe they'll say, OK, well, here are your three choices. Blitzarves, Stewart or Dangerfield. You guys make the choice. Gee, it'd be great if the Cats actually made the voting numbers public. That would be great. So not only here's our captain, but here's the numbers from the vote that we had as to what the players think we should do as our best captain. Um, it would be nice. It's kind of transparency we, we don't ever get, but if the Cats are you know, cats are setting trends in different areas, that could be the great one. Wouldn't you like to see that from your club? Hey, we've had a vote as to who our captaincy group should be or who our captain should be, and here's what the actual numbers were. That would be an eye-opener. Sean and Adelaide, I know you're on the line. If you'd like to jump on the line for Midday Madness, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number. Get on, we'll get you on. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss. Well, the forum's yours. We're here every day. Talking to you is what this show's all about, and I love it. So keep your curls coming. A little bit later on, Brisbane Lions General Manager of Football, Danny Daly, and Adam Collins is going to join us from Delhi. Uh, a Jack Jumper star as well. Fabian Chrysalovic also to join me later on the program, so a little bit of basketball still to come. Keep your text coming through on the 40 Winks temper text, 0433 98 Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. A couple of other little things floating around that we'll get to um, shortly, but Sean in Adelaide's been holding for a while, so I better get to you. Sean, welcome. Hi, Dwayne. How are you? Yeah, good. Great to have you on, Sean. Thanks for joining me. Just um, wanted to ask you, I'm sorry if this has been asked already, but I just wanted to ask about Adam Zampa and the potential of, of why he might continue to miss out on a, on a spot in that, uh, in that squad. You know, you take over Matt Tuneman, which is great for him, but, you know, Zampa took wickets in the uh, Shield game in Sydney and he continues to miss out. I would have thought he would be a good option, but everyone keeps saying it's because he hasn't played enough red ball cricket. What's the, what's the feedback you're getting on that? Yeah, Sean, I had a lot of cricket experts and current-day cricketers on this program over the course of summer, and I asked a lot of them, quite a few of them, about Adam Zampa, and one or two were saying that Zampa's the best spinner in Australia. So that's how highly he was rated, according to quite a few that I had on the program. So his stocks are pretty high when it comes to those that are playing cricket and those that are in the domestic cricket world. But unfortunately, as you say... Uh, it seems like he hasn't got enough red ball form. Swepson, according to the selectors, was ahead of him anyway in the pecking order, so they took Swepson, and Zampa didn't even get a, 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 a ticket to India. So it is amazing that a guy who does spin the ball so well, and he's such a great bowler when it comes to mesmerising batters in T20 cricket, in the big bash, that he maybe yeah. can't get a gig in the test to prove what he can do. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. And, um, you know, I, just going back to some of your other calls, I think you can't drop Nathan Lyon after one full game. You've got to give him another shot. He deserves it. 
he's the greatest spin bowler, aside from Shane Warne, arguably, that we've ever had. So I'm, I, I think Mitchell Stark has to be a big inclusion for this test. Left arm over the wicket to these Indian Indian right-handers, I think, will, will, will change the dynamic. And I know Scott Boland, he bowled well, but I just wonder whether they bring him in for bowling. And, um, you know, you give, uh, you give um, obviously, Kuhneman a, a shot. But why, tell me, Dwayne, do we take Swepson and then he comes home after one test? I know there's personal reasons involved, but surely they must have known about that. And and you've got Agar over there as well. So why does he keep missing out? Well, Agar didn't bowl that well in Sydney. I was up there for that test. So maybe that was the big um, audition for Agar. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a good enough audition performance. So he doesn't get the yeah, gig no, in the first you. test. Yeah, well, that's true. But they still need backups. And they... Still wanted to find out who was going to bowl well, um, you know, in other tests, maybe if he wasn't used in the first test. And they need someone to bowl in the nets as well. So not all tour, yeah, sure. touring players get tests. They take a squad, and there's guys who have to play bit part roles even if they don't get a game. So maybe Ash, Ashton Agar was, was it. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. It wasn't a great audition at the SCG, so they may, maybe that cost him. But uh, it is... I mean, all of these things are now being looked at with a microscope because we were so bad in that first test. Had we been rolled in five days, uh, it might have been a different story. Had we had a fighting loss where we just got nutted at the end, then maybe it wouldn't be so reactive from everybody on the text and the calls. But we were beaten in three days and it was terrible. So, uh, yeah, Sean. I look forward to seeing Matty Short in in Australian colours very soon. Uh, So do I, Sean. Great to have your call. Um, and there are a lot of up-and-coming cricketers who are due an opportunity. So great to have you call. A couple of other texts coming through. Hi, D. Wayne. Talk about the under-20 basketball nationals being played at Geelong this week. I did speak to Mark Bradkey. I saw a couple of the guys from the team uh, in Geelong, and I spoke to Mark Bradkey on the weekend here in Geelong. So uh, it was good to see so many of the young stars of the future here uh, in Geelong. Dwayne, imagine Patrick Dangerfield's reaction if he came third in a captain's vote at Geelong. That would be interesting, Darren, in Geelong. I reckon he'd take it. I mean, if, he, if they have a player vote and he comes third, he comes third. I mean, that's okay. Now, RE the Geelong captaincy, uh, if it's purely a player's vote for captain, Dangerfield will not figure. Well, that's, that's an interesting call. Um, there's a text saying that he's not the most... I, I think he's pretty popular, but uh, maybe you're inside the category more than I am, but he seems pretty popular to me. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the open line number, if you'd like to join us. heap of other stuff I haven't got to. Um, one of the things that jumped out at me when I read David Koch's quotes in the Jake Nile article in The Age uh, about Ken Hinckley at the end of this season, the thing that was interesting to me is Koshy saying, we'll get to August before decisions are made. I'm not sure why he didn't say September. Am I reading too much into that? The chairman kind of leaving an in-season change of coach on the table by saying August? Or maybe it's just Koshy being honest, which is great because I love Koshy's honesty. But he could have said September. What did you read into Koshy's comments? We saw Collingwood and Nathan Buckley park company in-season when it was known Bucks wouldn't have his contract extended. The Giants and Leon Cameron part of company in-season when it was known that Cameron wasn't going to coach the following season. The way I read August is... That if Port can't make the eight, maybe Hinkley could go in August. I'm not sure why he didn't say September, but maybe um, I'm reading too much into it. Um, it's August after round 20, by the way, this season. So there's four rounds still to play in the season um, when we hit August. 
which is a 24-round season. So, yeah, it's, uh, what are your thoughts on that? And what are your thoughts on... Simon Hill was on the program yesterday talking about the comparison, having a crack in a way at the trouble at AFL games. Um, it was an interesting one late in the program yesterday. It rattled a few cages. We've got a lot of text that upset a few people. Here's Simon Hill, the voice of the global game, on this program late yesterday, if you didn't hear it. About a month ago, you told me that the trouble at the Melbourne Derby, trouble at soccer is very, very rare, and there's been no trouble since, and we've got the Derby coming back, so touch wood. Uh, it has been a great season with no trouble since. Well, I mean, that's that's the norm. Um, <laughs> it's You know, that was an isolated incident. Uh, you know, as I also said a few weeks ago, you, you probably get trouble on a more regular basis at an AFL game. But uh, when it's our match or our sport, then uh, it tends to make the headlines because that's the cultural stigma that we're stuck with. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was a one-off. And look, it, it won't be the last time it'll happen uh, somewhere, but, um, you know, that, that's just the way it is. When you get thousands of people gathering in, in public arenas, uh, some of them misbehave. It doesn't matter what the sport is. Uh, from time to time, it, it, it happens. And uh, obviously, you have to make a response, which uh, Football Australia did. Uh, and I think it was the right response. Um, hopefully this Saturday we're talking about uh, the game because it should be a belter. And both teams, you know, need the points. City are almost uh, home and host for the Premiership as, as it stands. And uh, Melbourne victory are at the other end. So, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting game. That rattled a few cages late yesterday. Couldn't take any calls on it because we were heading off air. But uh, a lot of texts came through just as I was saying farewell um, more trouble at AFL games. I suppose we do have uh, trouble in the stands and trouble out the front of arenas. There have been fights and there have been uh, court cases, etc. But certainly no field invasions where players have been assaulted, thankfully. But anyway, well, if you've got a thought on that. And from the good side of the coin, Kate Blanchett. I wanted to play this to you as well on Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel Live talking about Australian rules and her uncle, who played for Essendon. I wasn't aware of this. And the Queenstown football ground in Tasmania, which has famously uh, been talked about a lot because it's got gravel on the ground. Here's Kate Blanchett with Jimmy Kimmel in the US on his must-watch, universally almost watched talk show. So you did not watch the Super Bowl yesterday? I know you're from Australia, so it would make sense that you would not have Look, interest. to be honest, it's, it's a gladiatorial sport. Where I come from, we have a football that's, we call it football, it's Aussie rules. Where footy, you call footy, it, right? Yeah, footy. Yeah. And they, they basically, it's a, they have a similar kind of ball, except they don't have the protection any. They don't even have sleeves, right? They were really... <laughs> they, yeah, they, they were shorts and really, yeah, little tank tops. And my, my uncle used to play professionally for Essendon. Oh, he did? Wow. Yeah, and my cousin played in Tasmania where they... It's so hardcore that they play on gravel. Is that true? Yeah. So, I mean, the Super Bowl, it's like, you know, they take a few hits, but you go to Tasmania and they play real fun. On gravel? <laughs> on gravel, yeah. That's not kidding around at no, all. No, it's yeah, not. Yeah, I know a lot of... They that... lose a lot of players, but, you know... In a... some ways... That's why the population's really small. In a... <laughs> A little bit of Kate Blanchett with Jimmy Kimmel. A big pump up for AFL. Let's head straight to the calls. Welcome to you, Nick. Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Good to talk to you again. Um, there's a bit of talk about Zampa you know, not getting a gig, but did the selectors miss a trick by not taking another recognised, as far as I know, a recognised opener? Did they get sucked in by Warner's 
you know, 200 in that last test. I mean, surely they must have had a bit of an inkling, well, hang on, who's going to open if things go pear-shaped, which it looks like they have. So what would the plan be in their own mind? They must. I'm agreeing with you. They must have had a plan B. The what if Dave Warner fails. So is the plan B to open with head? Is it to put Renshaw up and leave head at five so you're not messing with head? That's probably not the plan in my mind because they've messed with head's head by dropping him in the first test. Yeah, they're almost like plan C, D and E, I think. Mm. Um, they just sort of skipped over that and thought, oh, it should be right. But unfortunately, it doesn't look like it will. But they probably, I think, I agree with you, keep head where he's been so successful and maybe try Renshaw. But again, it's fraught with danger. So, yeah, one more thing. But... Renshaw's the, sort of the last, last guy in. Head's had a great summer at five. So that's why I'm not sure we need to mess with that. Um, but we've already messed with him, like I said, by dropping him. Anyway, Nick, you wanted to make another point? No, that's it. That's all I reckon. Yeah, that's um, they've missed the uh, they've missed the boat there. But yeah, they're um, they're in a barrel, I think. They are. Uh, Nick, hold the line. Got something for you? A bottle of Starwood Twofold Double Grain Australian Whiskey. Thanks to Hairy Dog Summer of Aussie Spirits. Hairydog.com.au. Still got a few of those. To give away, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Renshaw is an opener. Uh, that's come through on the text a few times as I head back to the text machine. Uh, Zampa might be the best spinner in Australia, but he's the worst fielder as well. Matt in Glenaris, thanks for that, Matt. Um, uh, how much does the AFL spend on security every year? If crowd behaviour isn't a problem, then millions are being wasted. Thanks for that. Uh, hey, Dwayne, loving the show. Keen on my bombers for 2023. Can't wait to see Nature Strip on Saturday. Hope the Aussies can beat India in the second test. I bloody love sport. How good is life? From Brendan. Have a great day. Uh, with a love heart. Thanks for that, Brendan. Uh, great to have your kind text and your positivity as well. Uh, good afternoon, Pipe. Um, this is on Simon Hill's uh, thoughts. Go back over some of his interviews um, about what he thought of it back when it happened. This is the trouble at that derby. He's done a 360, I believe. Um, that's Andrew and Bendigo. I might have to go back and have a listen to what he's had to say. Uh, Dwayne, uh, Simon's right about trouble in the AFL. Apart from the pitch invasions, individual fights happen in the AFL quite often when the crowd is leaving the game. It's from Wolfman Jack. Thanks for that. Uh, Simon Hill, when was the last time there was a violent ground invasion in an AFL game? I think Simon knows his stuff for soccer, but do find him to have begrudgingly bordering on dismissive attitude toward the AFL generally. Um, yeah, but you've got to defend your own sport, which is obviously what he does over time, and he is a little defensive when the comparison is made to the AFL. Uh, hey, Dwayne, I'm a Port supporter. I can already tell that this season is going to be a disaster. This text has come through from Scott in Adelaide, and I haven't read it out a few times previous days, um, but uh, Scott's saying he can't wait until Hinkley is finally sacked. Appreciate your thoughts. Cheers, mate. Well, my thoughts were, as I said 10 minutes ago, the thing that jumps out at me when I read David Kosh's quotes in the Jake Nile article in The Age is that he's left the in-season change of coach on the table by saying August. The quote was, we'll get to August before decisions are made. So given that we're in August and there's still going to be three or four rounds of the season to go, I'm not sure why Kosh didn't say just categorically September. We're going to let the whole of the season play out and we'll make a decision once the season is over but by saying August the season ain't over in August the August starts round 20 this year in essence so four rounds still to play 
in the season. To be honest, what I what do I think about Ken Hinckley? It's hard to see Ken Hinckley, who is in his eleventh season this year, coaching a twelfth season, if he doesn't win a final. That's the way I see it. So if he loses an, an elimination final, um, he might still be in trouble, even though he's made the finals. If Port finished top four and go out in straight sets, I still think that would be um, something that the board would look at seriously as to whether they need to change coach. But there's always circumstance in all of this. How many injuries do you get? What other circumstances are there that actually factor into you not being able to win a final? But we'll wait and see. That's my thoughts on where that's all at. Have you got a thought on it? one 300 Daniel in Keysborough is on the line. Welcome to you, Daniel. Oh, good afternoon. Um, I'm just questioning Cummings's Oh, bowlers in general was a, a captain because you look at the first innings when India batted. Now, he was getting carded because he couldn't get his line right. Now, uh, probably a wicketkeeper or batsman captain would have said, OK, look, you're not online and pull yourself off after one over. Um, at the time, bowling was... The, his first over was uh, straight as a die. Do you think the circumstances would have changed if India were put under pressure because Bowen was kept on and Cummings came Yeah, off? Daniel, I, I, I do read it a little differently and I do read it the way some experts have explained it to me as well and that Pat Cummins was bowling aggressively to be the aggressive bowler, to bowl for wickets. So I kind of get that he might have strayed a few times in his attempt to be an attacking, aggressive bowler. Um, and it wasn't necessarily his normal A game. So I think it's more likely that he put them in the right spots in the second test. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I just think Boland would have put pressure on and we would have had a different outcome with their batsmen getting comfortable after yeah. 24 or 3 overs. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on Boland. Boland bowled at 2 and over. So he went for 2 and over, Boland. He, took, he was number 34 off 17 whereas Cummins was 2 for 78 off 20. So Cummins went for 3.8 yeah. and over. Boland went for 2 and over. But at the same time, maybe it was Cummins who looked more dangerous when it came to wicket-taking, and maybe that was the only way that Australia thought they were going to win the test. We've got to bowl these guys out. Um, unfortunately, um, it's the situation that we're in was if you do get carded at 3.8 and over, they're erasing our score pretty quickly as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, oh, you're damned if you do, great. damned if you don't. Appreciate your call, uh, Daniel. Uh, Justin, talking about captaincy, Toby Green has been appointed standalone captain of the Giants for the 2023 AFL season. So all of these captaincy calls are being made. So former co-captains Stephen Cornelio and Josh Kelly have been named as vice-captains. Tom Green, Harry Perryman, Sam Taylor and Connor Iden complete the New Look Leadership Group. So we heard earlier today the Bulldogs confirming that Marcus Bontempelli is their captain again and no change to their leadership group. But they've changed to the Giants. They've had multiple captains in recent seasons. New coach comes in, Adam Kingsley, and he's going with their main man, Toby Green, appointed standalone captain for the Giants for the 2023 AFL season. And a pretty big story that. Uh, Barry and Willis Hill, you want to talk to the Australian cricket team as well? Welcome to you, Barry. Hi, Dwayne. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, I know there's a lot of focus on the batting, but I must say the bowling, if you actually look, and Australia got whipped in the second innings, I mean, overall an innings victory, but 
India were 200 and something for about six or seven. And the last three or four batsmen scored 140, 160 runs. So the, the two top bowlers, if I look at um, Cummins and Lyons, did nothing. And that's where they got to focus also. And I agree. We spoke last week and I said, you know, Head and Steve Smith. Dropping Head, I think, was a disaster, clearly. I mean, trying to put him ahead of Hanscom and Shaw, who both have not made the cricket team much. Head is in form. That was absolutely, uh, you know, they're paying the price for it. And Cummins comes in earlier and bows bowls, I would say, almost dolly balls to Rohit Sharma, who just teed him off. And Rohit Sharma at the end himself said, you know, that put him on the right path. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, Barry, you broke up a couple of times, so I missed a few of your points there. Apologies for that. But I heard the majority of it. And I, yeah, I think they'll bowl differently. That's the issue with Cummins. I think they'll have a different tactic. Cummins will be um, a little straighter and maybe take a little bit of pace off to make sure he hits the right spots. That'll be the way Cummins will bowl. But uh, I can see Bowler not playing, and I can see the extra spinner coming in. So, But I can't see, I can't see them. Well, they won't drop Murphy, but will they drop line? That's the big question to bring the extra spinner in. Uh, so that's why Adam Collins is going to be on the line a little bit later on to talk more cricket. Hey, Gary and Avondale Heights, Ben in Brunswick. I'll come to you shortly, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. By the way, Kate Blanchett's uncle was Jeff Gamble, who played 90 games at Essendon between 1953 and 1960. So that's the link that Kate Blanchett has to AFL. A couple of texts have come through as well. Uh, one here, a text saying that uh, he played in the grand final in 57 and finished sixth in the Brownlow in 58 and also had some involvement in the Essendon theme song. So there you go. Uh, a little bit of added info on Kate Blanchett's uncle, Jeff Gamble. A couple of texts that have come through. One here. Come on, Simon. Haven't seen a pitch invasion in an AFL game. Scotty in Tigerland. Uh, we did have one at Waverley uh, for the night game a few years ago when the lights went out and the point post was ripped down. Uh, and another one here has come through on a crowd invasion at the AFL. Uh, the last AFL ground invasion was when Buddy kicked his 1,000th goal. So uh, thanks for that reminder. Yeah, it happened last year. Gary in Avondale Heights. Welcome to you, Gary. G'day, Dwayne. You wanted to talk Richmond? Going? Good. Yeah, um, just a couple of points on Richmond. Um, I feel sorry for Narkle not um, getting in the side. I was hoping that he would have. Do you think that um, he would have had a more better chance if we didn't have a couple of old-timers in um, Cochin and Rewald? I'm not sure what other clubs have invited him to train, Gary, whether that was his only option to go to Richmond. Would he have been better going somewhere else? Did he not want to go into state? Was that another uh, consideration? So Richmond was the club that um, held out the biggest invite and he thought he was going to... But he, he might still get a chance mid-season, Gary. There's a mid-season draft uh, coming up where he can still get picked up. Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you reckon he'll wait that long, though, or...? There was rumours that uh, uh, I think Western Australia is from is um, trying to lure him back home. Well, it wouldn't surprise me, but uh, we pick players out of the sandful and the waffle all the time. So if he's still got an AFL dream, then um, he still has, and some club might give him a chance. If he's in good waffle form, I think someone will give him a chance. So that's the thing. We're talking about depth a couple of days ago on this program, whether we've got the depth for a 19th team. But when you see a guy of Narkel's quality not being able to even get on an AFL list, you know that there is some depth there. So 
Yeah, I've got some hope for him getting picked up at some stage, Gary, if that's still what he's got on his mind. Um, appreciate your call, though, and it does go to show how good Richmond's list is. And you do have a couple of ageing guides on it, but he's not pushing Trent Cotchin out of a game right now, and you just picked up Hopper and Taranto. So you strengthen your midfield big time. Um, speaking of strengthening big time, the Super Bowl has strengthened in this country big time, and James Sinclair, CEO of the Sporting Globe, has been good enough to jump on the line. James, welcome to you. Great to have you on the program. Um, you have some massive turnouts to your Sporting Globes for the Super Bowl on Monday. It must be amazing how much Australians are now loving the Super Bowl coverage. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Good to be with you. Absolutely. It's, um, it's grown year on year since um, we started the Sporting Globe in 2010 in Geelong. And, um, yeah, every year we've seen increased interest. And, obviously, this year with two Aussies playing, it was just a really special event. I went past the Sporting Globe, actually, in Geelong, across the road from the theatres a couple of days ago. And uh, there were some people watching NBA in there. So has our love of American sport sort of really turned up um, big time in the last couple of years? Is it unpredictable to you how much all of a sudden people are loving American sport? Oh, mate, for sure, it's it's been growing, and I think particularly in a younger demographic. Um, I was reading the other day. There's now the NFL believe there's over a, over a million followers of the sport here in Australia, and half of them are under thirty. So we're we're really seeing in that younger demographic a real love of some of those American sports. They know the game well. Big change to back in 2010, mate. The first pub I had in Geelong. Remember having to pay the local rugby club to come and watch the Super Bowl, and now. Um, you know, come Monday, we had 20,000 people through across um, across our venues nationally. Wow. So, I mean, pubs, some pubs are doing it tough, but if you've got something that sets you apart from the rest, then uh, obviously it's a huge advantage, which you did have, and you packed them out for Super Bowl Day, and it looks like you're going to pack it out when the NBA finals come around too, so you must be pretty happy with the numbers. Yeah, for sure. No, numbers are good with that, and as I said, I think it's about making it a real uh, event and some fanfare around it too, so... Um, some great partnerships coming on board. I think uh, some American brands like Cause that are really investing in Australia and um, and getting behind some of the sporting events. Uh, and, of course, our partners at the tab that have really um, been doing a good job with the NFL as well in Australia too. Well, I'd talk about your buffalo wings, but at the same say uh, probably <laughs> talk too much like an advertorial. So uh, I'll let you go, James. Great to have you on. See you at the Sporting Globe. A huge, a huge Super Bowl day at all their sporting globes around the state on Monday. And if you want to catch an NBA game or any American sport or any sport in general, the Sporting Globe is the place to go. Ben in Brunswick, you want to talk some American sport while we're at it? Ben Simmons on your agenda. Yeah, Dwayne, mate. What are we going to do with him? Like, I think we're getting to a point now where even Brooklyn, they've got the best medical staff in the world, the best facilities. I I don't think we can keep just saying, oh, he's got a sore knee or a bung back. Just call it what it is. He's got the yips. He needs to uh, get someone like, uh, what was that guy, Crow, who worked with Barty and yep. Dusty? Someone reach out to him and say, please, can you do something with Benny and get him good for the World Cup coming up later this year? Yeah, it's it's a big moment in his career. He's still a squillionaire, so he's going okay. Um, there's a lot of people in the it's world brilliant. that are worse off than, than, yeah, than Ben Simmons. Exploded. He's going to be uh, so invaluable to our team later on this year. We've got to get him right. Well, I'll play you. I need to take a break, but I'll play you what um, Chris Anstey had to say about the Australian team that's about to be uh, evolving into our Olympic team for Paris next year. He thinks that Xavier Cooks is a better option 
for the Boomers going forward than Chris than uh, than Ben Simmons. I'll grab that little bit out of the break and play it back to you after the break. Luke Longley, I think, said it best, is that, that Ben's just got to find his love of basketball and, and have had the right people around him. And we all thought that that might have been the Boomers leading into Tokyo, but unfortunately it wasn't. We may end up finding that it still becomes the Boomers at, at some stage down the track, but it's high risk. Um, having said that, high risk, probably high reward at that level as well. But um, look, uh, for me, Xavier Cooks has consistently done enough to prove that he's one of the best four men in the NBL. Uh, he hasn't really had his shot internationally yet, so I suppose that's the only unknown within this. But look, I'd love to see him pull on a Boomer's uniform and you know, at some level you need someone who's going to turn up and compete. You know exactly what you're going to get every single practice, every single game. And for me, that's Xavier Cooks at the moment. That was Chris Anstey on this program a couple of weeks ago now talking about Xavier Cooks and maybe gets a berth for the Boomers ahead of Ben Simmons. That's the Ben Simmons and Xavier Cook's form line, if you drag it through. Fabian Kristovic's been good enough to join me. Tasmanian Jack Jumpers stay. You can watch every NBL final live on ESPN via KO and Foxtel or via 10 Peach and 10 Play. Fabian's been watching um, Xavier Cook's close up for a while. And I think you played as a kid with Ben Simmons as well, Fabian, didn't you? As I welcome you to the program, great to have you on. Uh, how are you doing? Doing well, thanks for having me. Yes, yes, I did. Couple of years ago now, but yeah, play with them. So, and good. What do you make of? Can I ask you that question? Even though it's a, it's a bomb kind of question straight up. Um, what you make of Ben Simmons yeah. and whether you've spoken to him in recent times and his form at the uh, moment? I haven't spoken to him in a while, but yeah, you know, it's um, he's over there, he's just trying to find trying to roll, I guess. But he's still doing what he does at a high level, being solid on the court. But just gotta. I don't know, find that aggression and get find his spot. But, you know, he's still a world-class athlete and he'll, uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll find his footing soon. Xavier Cooks, though, MVP. Uh, is he the best in the comp at the moment? Yeah, uh, the way, you know, he's, you know, the best player on the best team. So I think that was, uh, that's, that's who my pick was. He's been playing unbelievable basketball all year. He's a unique player in that that he kind of runs their offense for them at the fourth spot. He gets the ball and he goes, and he's just such a unique uh, player to try stop. But he's been playing at a high level, and it's always an interesting challenge and good fun going up against him. But yeah, he's he's he was he was my pick this year for it as well. So for those who don't know what's going on in the NBL, the Jack Jumpers lost Sunday to New Zealand in New Zealand, yeah. best of three, lost game one, eighty-eight to sixty-eight. But uh, you guys are hosting. New Zealand tomorrow night, Fabian. So hoping to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a tough game going over there. Had a long week coming straight from Cairns, and they they got the better of us in that game one. I think we just let it go a bit, uh, you know, late in the game. I think at some point, I think maybe in the fourth quarter, it was still a single digit game, and we could have wrestled that back, but just got away from us. And you know, uh, had a good session today and tried to attack some issues, and full full confidence going into tomorrow night and sending it to a game three. And Josh Majet, hundred percent done for the season with the cheekbone. Um, I've, uh, I've, that's that's what I've heard. I believe maybe there's some, he's hope, hopeful to see, but um, if we make a late push, but I think most importantly he's healthy. We all got to see him today for the first time since he since he was injured, which was which is awesome to see post surgery. He's in good spirits and being around the around the team, I think was good for him. And um, but yeah, if, if he doesn't play, you know, we're still in that next man up mentality and I think we showed what we could do in Cairns and in flashes of that New Zealand game so yeah it's, it's always a tough challenge without without our leader out there but it's 
it's um, that's that's sport for you. Yeah, and a couple of leaders because Clint Donald's your captain, and he's had injury mm-hmm. issues as well. Yeah, he's um, you know he worked hard to try get ready for um, that New Zealand game, and I think uh, yeah, I think he was good to uh, he was ready to go, he was suited up, but obviously he was hard without having a session to really test test the limits and see how it goes. So hopefully, I think we'll, we'll get get a bit of his impact tomorrow night, and um, we had had a good session today. So yeah, it's it's that's. It's tough. It's a tough situation, but every team's dealing with it in some way, shape, or form. So, it's um, it's one of the challenges, and I guess that's why we have a we have a team. We spoke a lot about our depth, so I guess it's getting tested. So, Fabian, there is a push to get the stadium in Hobart made bigger, enhanced a couple of extra thousand in because you pack it out every game you've got, and I'm yeah. presuming it's sold out tomorrow. And I can ask you this question: How many would you get in tomorrow night if you had unlimited capacity? Uh, I've, I've got, I don't know what the number is. It's got to be over ten thousand. I like to think if we, if there was just an unlimited capacity, it's um, as you said, every every game there is uh, so much fun. They pack it out no matter what day of the week it is, no matter who we're playing against. And we had a couple um, finals games there last year that was just so much fun. And I guess I think that that Perth game we played um, the other week was a bit of a finals game uh, atmosphere. It was like such an important game for both teams and. Um, they showed out in the, our last home game of the season, like just providing massive energy for us and pushing the roof off that place. And I think it's going to be it's going to be the same tomorrow night. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough ticket to find, but uh, it's, I think that's a good problem to have. And I, just, I think I don't know if the club was uh, thinking so early in the franchise's history about having to deal with you know maybe expanding the stadium and all those issues. So I guess that's a good problem to have. Certainly is. Hey, one more quick one, uh, if you don't mind yep. me putting my AFL hat on, because you're you grew up in in Sydney, you played in Cairns, and you're now you're now playing in Tassie. Player retention yep. in the AFL has been an issue. You seem to love it down there. The player retention for the Jack Jumpers. If you're with a good franchise, you just want to stay. Is that where it's at? Uh yeah. It's um. I I feel like that's that's a massive um point of emphasis for this club, just having a great franchise, great culture, and. Every single day, no matter if we come off a loss, we've had a tough day or whatever, or we come off a win, it's just it's just a pleasure to wake up and go to work every day with such a good group of guys, with a great staff who, who push us every day, and but you know they try and want what's best for us. So, I, I, I people talk about lo, like location. It's I think that's priority number one is just making sure you enjoy your work environment and wherever that is, that's where it is. But I've done a great job with us anyway, and in building that culture and, and making it a place where everyone wants to, to be around and stick around. So, um, yeah, as you said, it's, um, I don't think it's too much of an issue being the location. It's a, and it's a beautiful spot down here in, um, in Hobart, and they're treating us well, and they get around up, and, yeah, awesome, spe- awesome place to be. Yeah, you can feel the love when you're in the house uh, in Tasmania Absolutely. and in Hobart, and you Absolutely. travel around the country and around the state and play a little bit as well. It was... Nice to be down there last week and talk mm-hmm. to a few people, to be honest. Hey, Fabian, good luck tomorrow night. Let's Thank hope you, you go so well much. and you extend it out to three games. Fabian Krislovic from the Jack Jumpers joining us. Need to wrap it up, take a break. You can watch every NBL final live on ESPN via KO and Foxtel or via 10 Peach and 10 Play. And Sydney and Cairns play tonight, so that's the other side of that semi-final draw. Uh, just in as well, Melbourne has completed its list with the signing of Kai Turner from Frankston and Old Halebury. 21-year-old defender signs on as a rookie. So today's the last day for AFL teams to 
finish off their list for the season until, of course, their mid-season draft. So some big announcements coming through today, not just Marcus Bond and Pelly confirmed as captain for the Dogs. Uh, Dane Zorko confirming yesterday he's not going to captain the Lions, but the confirmation as well, if you didn't hear earlier, that Toby Green is going to be the solo captain for the Giants in 2023. Plenty of footy news dropping today, not just confirmation that the Dogs are sticking with Marcus Bond and Pelly for their solo captain for 2023, and their entire leadership group doesn't change, so coach gets re-signed. Same leadership group for 2023, no surprise. There we'll talk very shortly about the change at the Brisbane Lions and who their new captain might be. Confirmation today also that Toby Green is going to be the one-out captain for the Giants. And he spoke to the Giants' website after being named sole captain. Uh, Former co-captains Steve Cornelio and Josh Kelly have been appointed his vice-captains. Here's Toby Green on his captaincy. It's a huge honour. It's... it's, um... Yeah, something uh, sort of been, oh, it's come come a long way, taken a long time, but um, you know that's that was all due course. You know, it took a lot of um, sort of work on my leadership skills, and you know, as a young kid, I was I was probably nowhere near it, and sort of just trying to find my way in AFL footy. And um, yeah, in my twelfth season now at the club, and I've you know, been here since the start, so it's a, it's a massive honour and something I um, certainly don't underrate, and something I'll be uh, trying to put all my time and effort into doing the best job I can. We know that you were named as a co-captain last season alongside Josh Kelly and Stephen Camilio. They'll both be your vice-captains in 2023. It must be great to have two people who you've worked alongside but also that are really close mates of yours to, to be supporting you in this role. Yeah, definitely. I was, we've um, you know, got a super strong relationship and you know, I've been with Cog since day one and took two years after that. So um, there's, uh, yeah, there's a, it's a really strong bond, strong relationship and I'll be relying heavily on those two throughout the year for, uh, for a lot of for a lot of leadership um, and uh, yeah just looking forward to getting to work with them along with the younger boys who will be named in the leadership group it's um, an exciting mix with you know four, four new guys and then the three boys um, who have been there for a while. You spoke about your development as a leader some may not have seen you as a captain you may not have seen yourself as a captain when you first arrived here as an 18 year old um, what's that journey been like for you it's clearly something that you're passionate about and wanted to, to really put some time and effort into as well. Yeah, it certainly uh, certainly wasn't linear from day one. Um, I um, yeah, I've had a lot of had a lot of learnings along the journey, and you know, um, you know, had a few stuff ups as well, and you know, learn a lot more from them than what you do um, otherwise. So, um, as I said, it's been a, a big work in progress, and something I've worked on you know hard for five or six years, and sort of knew my place in the team, and you know, I wanted to see the best for this club and, and get the best results possible. So. Um, yeah, it felt right to um, yeah put put time and effort into it, and as I said, you know, last year with Chuck and Cogs and this year by myself, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge uh, huge honour, but something I've still got to put a lot of time and effort into. Toby Green announced as solo captain for the Giants. He's going to be a captain with a difference. He speaks a little differently as well, but he can play. He's one of the best players, if not uh, a chance to be the best player in the competition by the end of the season. Still a few teams to work out what they're doing captaincy-wise. Essendon running out of time if they're going to change their captain from Dyson Heppel holding the position now. Geelong, we understand they're having a player vote on Thursday, uh, so they're going to be pretty close to announcing their captain. Hawthorne, they're pretty close as well, we're told. Fremantle, still yet to name a replacement for Nat Fife, who stood down. And as we heard yesterday, Dane Zorko has stood down as captain for the Brisbane Lions. Uh, he's been a great servant of the Brisbane Lions, been a great captain, Dane Zorko, and he's a, 
Danny Day is about to join us for a McCafe Coffee Catch-Up, the deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe. In fact, he's on the line now. But, Danny, uh, for a second, if you don't mind holding, here's a little bit of Dane Zorko on standing down on Patton Hills on SEN Queensland. You know, there's been a few times in this pre-season where I've come into the studio and said to you, Paddy, I'm not sure what I'll quite do. Um, um, obviously, with the situation, uh, I firmly believe that the club's in really, really good hands going forward. And um, I guess for me, it was a little bit of a decision that I'd rather step down on my own accord than potentially have Fags at the end of the year come tap it on my shoulder and say, hey, mate, I reckon it's time we move on. Or the middle of the um, year. So it's been... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. So I think it's um, yeah, I think it's the right decision. I think the timing's really good. And um, obviously, I'll still be uh, there to support whoever takes over as as captain and, and help and support and guide them in whatever way I possibly can. Um, but just stepping back from those formal roles is hopefully going to free up a, a lot more time that I could spend at home with family and, um, of course, to get my body right to have the best the best possible year I, I can. Dane Zorka on SEN Queensland. Danny Daly joins us, Brisbane Lions General Manager of Footy. Welcome back, Danny. Great to have you back on the program. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Thanks for having me on. So how did it happen? Uh, did, did Dane come to you? What was the process? Uh, well, the process has probably been ongoing since uh, the start of pre-season, to be honest. Uh, Faze and myself sat down with him you know, back in October just to see where he's at and what he was thinking. Um, he still, at that point in time, hadn't made his mind up, so he's obviously over the last couple of months got away and, and thought about it and spoken to his family and probably his manager and, and close and close people around him and... Uh, yeah, on Monday, uh, caught up again with us and um, basically made the decision that yeah, he wanted to stand down. So um, it's been it's been in the process for a couple of months, to be honest. He took a while though, thirty days out from the season to start. Yeah, I think um, he wasn't sure. I think deep down, he still harboured some thoughts about being the captain and um, thought he probably had another year in left him. But uh, you know, I think as as time went on and. Um, it got close to him having to make a decision that, um, you know, he decided that at this point in, in his life and his career that it was the best thing to give the game away. So whilst it took a little bit of time, we understood that and, and we were appreciative of him um, spending that time in doing that. And, and we were in no rush for him to make that decision, to be honest. So were you, was that your preferred option, that he stay on as a player but not be captain and you have someone else take that role? Um, I'm not sure if it was our preferred option. Our preferred option was... Um, what was best for Dane, and um, you know that's why we wanted him to make the decision. We we were comfortable if he wanted to do the the role again and um, and go through the the process of doing a leadership vote and see what transpired from that. But um, you know once he decided that uh, he didn't want to do it, we uh, we accepted that and uh, and basically moved on and we'll go into the next part of the the process of our leadership group. So it'll be a leadership vote from all players, or just the leadership group will vote, and will you? announce the captain simply off the back of that vote or will you make your own decision based on the vote? No, nah, so, we'll, um, so all the players will, will do a, a, um, an anonymous vote, which will happen next um, Monday. So every player on the list will have a vote, you know, ranging from seven through to one. So seven being who they probably perceive as being the skipper and one down to the, um, you know, the, the seventh person in the leadership group that they feel. And then... You know, we'll add up the votes and, and see what comes of that. Um, and then from that, we'll decide our leadership group, which will probably be based on a cut-off point. So say there's 
six voters who get 100 plus and then the seventh person is 30, for example, you've got your six leaders, um, then the process from that will be out of those, we'll use six as an example, uh, out of those six people will ask whoever wants, out of those six who wants to be the captain, who wants to put their hand up for the captain, uh, and then whoever puts their hand up will go through a, um, a basically formal uh, interview with myself, Fags, and, and, and Swanee, um, and then we'll basically elect the captain from there. And most people are saying it'll be Lockie Neal, but you're not saying that's a lock, that it's Lockie Neal? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think um, we've got some pretty good candidates and, and blokes who have developed really well in the leadership space. Um, you know, Lockie, you mentioned Harris has been our vice-captain. Hugh McCluggage is another one who's come along in leaps and bounds in the last few years. Um, so they're probably the three names that have been bantered around the media in the last 24 hours. So, again, it'll, it'll be dependent on what the vote is. If we have a clear... Um, person at the top of the, the list who you know wins by 80 votes. Well, primarily they might be um, seen as being the captain, to be honest. But if it's close and um, you know there's only a few votes separates a few players, and we'll go through a bit more of a process to determine who that might be. Has Dane got a hamstring issue that might keep him out for round one as well? Uh, he's got a hamstring issue, so he's uh, missed the last couple of weeks. But he's on track to play against the uh, the Cats in our last mm-hmm. uh, practice match, so. Uh, all things going well, he'll play in that. He'll be fine for round one. Will you fill it out? It's your home game at your new home. Will you fill it out? Will you have to sell tickets or lock the gates? Um, well, uh, I think it's free to get in, but what we decided to do was obviously put tickets on on Ticketmaster so that we... Because um, we've got a, you know, a maximum crowd of here of about 9,000, so I think we've sold 8,300, I think it is at the minute. So we'll get pretty well close to a full house, which will be... Outstanding for our supporters and the people out here at Springfield and, and also the Geelong supporters who there's quite a few in uh, in Brisbane as well. So, yeah, we should get a full house for that game, which is great. Yeah, it's massive. You play Port round one, Adelaide Oval. Your first home game is Melbourne at the Gabba round two. What's your process going to be now that you've moved? Will you train at the Gabba once a week before your home game's there or not? Uh, we'll do all our captain's runs. Um, so the training session the day before the game, we'll do it at the Gabba. Um, so they're all locked in and ready to go. And, and we'll also determine on whether we feel like we need a, uh, a main session there the week before uh, we play at the Gabba. So if Melbourne, for example, we might have two sessions there that week because we haven't been at the Gabba and played there for a while. So um, every captain's run we'll do there and we'll just monitor how many other sessions we need to have at the ground. And other injuries? Jared Berry's got a shoulder. I probably bore people if we go through them one by one. We've got Jared Lyons with a... Had groin surgery. I think uh, Darcy Gardner's had an issue. Noah Answorth and Kyle Lohman as well. Yeah, so uh, Jared Lyons played last week. That was his first hit out for the year. Um, Darcy Gardner will hopefully be right by uh, the Geelong game as well to play. Jared Berry uh, is back this week, so he'll play in our Interquad game on Friday. Uh, Jack Payne, who had his tonsils taken out, um, he'll play on Friday night. Um, Noah Ainsworth should be right for the Sydney game. Um, and Kai Lohman will be right for the Geelong game as well. So we've got a few there, but they all should be back and, and playing by you know the last practice match and, and ready to go for round one. So, yeah, they're coming back slowly, but they're coming back. And you're expecting Josh Dunkley to start in the centre square for the opening bounce round one? Oh, I would think so. Um, yeah, I think between you know him and... Uh, him and uh, Lockie Neal and uh, Yuma Quaggage in there makes a, f- a formidable threesome in there. So, yeah, Dunks will be in the first centre bounce, no doubt about that. And where's Jack Gunston likely to play? Close to goal? And how's he tracking? 
Uh, Jack's going really well. He missed last week's game because he had a wedding back in Melbourne, but he'll be back in this week. Uh, so he's played a couple of practice matches for us and fit in really well down the four line. He'll probably, um, you know, mix up between playing closer to goal and uh, he can get up the ground and, you know, play as a half forward and a winger at times. But I think for the majority of the, you know, the game, we'd probably see him more close to goal than, than up the ground. So, yeah, probably, you know, 60, 40 percentage split. And big raps on Will Ashcroft. How's he tracking? And is he a chance for round one? Uh, he's a very big chance. He's um, played in all three uh, practice matches in the A team and acquitted himself quite well and, uh, you know, been in our best players. So, you know, as we stand right now, I think uh, he's probably in our, in our round one team. But, um, you know, what can happen between now and then? But right now, I think he's uh, pretty much well in line for his first game round one, yeah. And today's list finalisation day. So have you added anyone late? No, we haven't. We uh, added Dara Joyce to our list uh, a few weeks ago to replace uh, Marcus Adams, and so our list is is full now. And um, yeah, all systems go for us, Dwayne, which is good. And game trends? Do you see twenty twenty three game trends changing at all? And if you do, what areas do you think? Is it going to be a two ruck kind of game in twenty twenty three? What what else do you think might happen? Uh, it'll be interesting with the new sub rule how sides decide to use that. Whether they decide to you know, play that extra ruckman as a sub and, you know, maybe bring on the two rucks in the second half to, to wear opposition teams down. Um, from more reports, what's going on around the training tracks is that teams are trying to play a lot quicker in offence and uh, keep the ball moving as quickly as they can to, to counteract, um, you know, the opposition defence, which seems to be a, uh, a big thing that clubs are working through, their defensive structures, so trying to beat the defensive structures. So... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all that pans out with the sub, but I think teams will try and move the ball a lot quicker. In general, playing from stoppages this year, I would imagine at this point in time. And do you like the one unofficial, one official lead-in to the season? Are you going to get a, enough of a look at everybody else? And um, do, you, do you think it's better this way, or would you be happy if it was a no-game lead-in? Oh, I think we definitely need one. Um, so... You know, the Geelong game's um, really vital for most clubs to have that one hit out against an opposition team. And obviously the, the two weeks out where we've got a bit of a scrimmage game that all clubs organise amongst themselves um, is really important as well. So as a football club here, we're pretty um, big on at least having the two games. Um, I think our players get tired of playing each other. You play about 10 inch club practice matches against each other and uh, they get a bit you know, weary of that. So it's always nice for them um, to be able to front up against a couple of opposition teams before they hit round one. So so we're happy with how it's going to look this year. You know, the Sydney game and then the, the Geelong game, that'll be enough for us leading into round one. And how draining has it been, the Chris Fagan investigation? Uh, no, it hasn't been too bad. Um, you know, everything was sort of had been mentioned, was mentioned on early in the season, and he's just um, concentrating on, you know, getting the team ready for, for round one and, and the pre-season. So... To be perfectly honest, we haven't really touched on it too much. We'll talk much about it here, and it's um, it's just business as usual. To be honest, that that process will take care of itself, and uh, yeah, we're just more worried about um, getting ourselves all prepared for round one and making sure we've got a healthy list. So, in essence, it's going to be full strength v full strength when you play the Cats, who are the measuring stick, given they're the premiers. Yeah, absolutely, and and we're very fortunate that we get to play Sydney the week before as well. So, the two grand finalists. Mm-hmm. So. You know, there's a couple of really hard hit-outs for us, which um, should all go well for us leading to round one. So, we're, you know, we're, we're pretty happy about the two teams that we come up against. That'll give us a, a good feel for exactly where we're at. And 
who, and well, that, so that just about wraps it up for me. I'm pretty happy with the way it's all standing. I think I've got your game on Fox. I'm going to find out later on today if that's the game I've got. So I can't wait to see you. I might even see you up there, Danny. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks, Dwayne. Uh, thanks for having me on. It'll be nice to catch up with you if you're up here. That'd be good. It would be. Danny Daly, Brisbane Lions General Manager of Football. Looks like a packed house. 10,000 for that game against the Cats. Great to have Adam Collins on board as well for SEN's coverage of the second test between India and Australia. Kicks off Friday live from the ground in Delhi. Catch every ball live across the SEN network and on the SEN app. And Adam Collins joins us. Morning to you, Adam. Great to have you back on. Good to be on. Yeah, we're on the way to the ground now for the first time. So we're about maybe 10 minutes away. So you're time to run well in terms of us speaking. And then we'll get a sense of what it looks like inside this famous old stadium, which has been there since the... 19th century, been hosting test cricket since the 40s, and who knows what it's going to have in store in terms of the 22 yards that matter most. All eyes will be on that pitch, I'm certain. So before I talk about the colour around it, let me get straight to the heart of it. Have you, do you know our 11? Can you put us out of our misery? What's our 11 going to be? <laughs> no, we don't, but we are speaking to Mitchell Stark very shortly. That's our first job upon arriving at the ground there. So, look, I, I think the fact that they're putting up Mitchell Stark is a fairly good sign, uh, taking you behind the scenes. But the player they put up two days before the test match tends to be in the 11. So that means Stark's sufficiently ready to roll, which would suggest that Stark and Cummins will bowl as Australia's seamers. Of course, there's no way Cummins is missing. And just, you know, you do the, uh, the configuration around that. We don't expect Green will play, so they won't have the flexibility to play a third spinner. If Green plays, they can get a bit creative. But if Stark's doing the press conference... I would say by deduction, that means Green isn't playing and they won't have the ability to play a third spinner. So Boland's out then from the sound of your answer and what are they going to do with Travis Head? Yeah, I mean, yes, I don't expect Boland will play if Stark's fit. That's one. Travis Head, I'd be surprised if he plays because it would require making a call on someone they brought in last week. They're not getting rid of Warner uh, although it, it will be said that if Warner struggles here, there might be a conversation in the gap between now and the third test. But Warner, Kawaja, Smith, Labashain are playing. So, therefore, the only choice would be dumping one of two men, Renshaw and Hanscom, who were brought in last week, almost for one mission, that was to play in India. And by that, I mean, of course, Renshaw will have other opportunities. He's a younger man. But in Hanscom's case, they wanted another right-hander with experience in India. And he batted well in the first inning. So, I, I can't see a world where... Hanscom misses out. And if they dump Renshaw after one opportunity, that wouldn't be a good signal to send, not only to the squad, but players in domestic cricket as well. So I just don't see them parting ways with Renshaw. So I'd be surprised if they made a shift like that after one test match and they um, changed plans that quickly. But a loss here at Delhi, and I guess all, all, uh, all, everything's off the table. Well, everything's on the table, rather, in terms of what they might do if they find themselves in a dreadful situation heading to indoor 2-0 down. Although, given the series will be lost if we lose this test, do they need to make that jump now and try just play our best 11 for now? And is there a chance... Well, do you think they made the wrong call with Travis Head, given they seem to make the call based on previous experience in the subcontinent, even though he's probably our best-performed cricketer in the lead-up series against South Africa? Yeah, a desperately difficult situation. I mean, personally, if I were a selector, I would have played him because he... He's had the hot hand. He averaged 88 in the home summer with a strike rate of 95. But I also, like, have at some level respect for making a tough call on the horses-for-courses basis. We, we, I think we forget just the extent to which conditions are different here in India. It is the most difficult place to play in the world. And that's not because of pitch doctoring and all the other stuff. I've seen some conspiracy theories about why they're not playing at Durham, Charlotte, because 
Ashwin's bowling average, all that's rubbish, right? The reason is, is because India is always the hardest place in the world to play. And they've got two of the greatest spinners of all time in Jadeja and Ashwin interrogating them who landed on a five-cent piece all day long. That is why this is such a difficult mission. And they picked a team with a view to that. And, uh, and, I, and I understand, I said this on, on, in the build-up last week, I, it's not a call I would have made, but I get where they were coming from. So the probability of them backing out of that decision, uh, especially when all they have to go on with head is another net we had at Naku, I think it was two days ago. Uh, I, I just don't see there being another huge shift made on a player. I might be wrong, but I'd be surprised, even if, um, even if the decision on head was dramatic and harsh and difficult to justify on the basis of what we've seen in the last six months, that they really made it on the six months that came before it when he struggled in, in Pakistan and, and more acutely Sri Lanka in, in more intensely spinning conditions. So uh, it was a big call, not a call I would have made, but I can't see them uh, reversing it now. How do you expect this pitch to play? And is there a chance that a photo might get taken at him in the next couple of hours? It's going to cause me to do three <laughs> hours of talk back on whether we should be running to the ICC or not. Yeah, well, I'm going to try and take a photo, Dwayne, that's for sure. Uh, engagement <laughs> and all the rest. Uh, um, uh, look, at. Uh, It'll be low. It always is here at Delhi. India are formidable here. Haven't lost a test match at this ground since 1987. So just to put it in some context as to how difficult it will be, it will be a turning pitch because all the pitches here are turning. Um, Rohit Sharma spoke really well about this uh, after the test match, saying we don't need to prepare pitches that uh, that rag from minute one, and they don't. And it didn't rag from minute one at Nagpur, despite the despite all the attention on it. They just need pitches that uh, are generally competitive. Uh, on the basis that they've got these two spinners they can roll out. Uh, and, and usually from there, um, they can run a mark. So I wouldn't expect to see pitch, a pitch that's shooting through the surface on the first morning because I don't need it to be a lottery. Why would you turn a test match into a lottery, which like Pune 2017 kind of was? It was just ridiculous from morning one. They don't need to do that. It, it, it defies logic for them. It lets Australia back into the contest. It means that Todd Murphy and Nathan Lyon will be just as dangerous as... Nathan, as um, Ravinder Jadeja and Ravi Chandra and Ashwin. It makes no sense for them to concede their advantage by preparing a pitch, which is a, a complete shit heap for want of a better term. Sorry, I shouldn't swear really. But that's not what they'll do. They'll, they'll, they'll give the spinners enough to work with without it being a lottery. Yeah, lucky we're not live, Adam. Uh, we'll cut that out when it goes to air. Um, there's no <laughs> chance they drop Nathan Lyon. There's been a few calling for that. There's, there's no way in the world that would happen. Uh, Nathan Lyon is a spinner with, you know, a dozen years' experience. He's been on probably eight or nine Asian tours. He's been outbowled by his spinning partner before when he's been overseas. And, you know, that happens, right? That's part of um, that's part of cricket, that you're not always going to get the returns of the person that you're bowling with. And Murphy was absolutely exceptional, uh, which means that he stood out uh, in glaring contrast to Lyon's returns of one wicket compared to Lyon's seven, uh, uh, Murphy's seven, rather. So um, that, that's, that's going to... Sorry, I'm just, um, I have no idea what's happening in my car here, Dwayne, I must say. Uh, there is a, there's no way they'll part ways with Lyon. But I think it's a really good thing for Australian cricket that we have in Murphy, the obvious and natural successor. So why I'm sorry, my driver's trying to push me out the door. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, they've got the, this natural successor uh, to Nathan Lyon, who's ready-made, oven-ready, uh, which means that when he does part, you know, retire himself, presumably on his own terms at some point in the next couple of years, that they'll have this kid who's got these fantastic skills. So in the short term, there'll be Australia's spin combination. And in the medium term, Murphy will succeed uh, line. And I think that's healthy and good for Australian cricket. And one more quick one. Tell your driver to keep the meter running. Um, the aura <laughs> of Delhi, the, the, the place itself. It's, 
incredible. I mean, this is the the big beating heart of India up north. Uh, we were out last night, and there's the sort of big gate of India, and there's where all the embassies are, and it's a big, thriving metropolis, to say the very least. It's, uh, it's all action all the time here. It's like peak hour always. Like That was just the experience we had again first thing in the morning, but it was equally true at 10 o'clock last night. So it's a huge, vibrant, vibrant bustling uh, city with so much going on. So a bit different to Nagpur, which is a growing city and an emerging city, but I wouldn't call it a big city. It's more a, an overgrown, an oversized town, whereas this, um, you're left with um, no uh, confusion whatsoever. Again, we're... We've, we've found ourselves. Uh, we've done. We've been done a mischief here by the driver. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're meant to be at the ground. Uh, the, the yes, this is a place that um, has a lot of history. They've been playing Test cricket here since the very start in India back in the 40s when they first hosted Test cricket. Then um, I mentioned before that this is a ground where they seldom lose. They've got marvelous record here. Um, Brat Coley made a double century here the last time they played the Test match in, in 2017. Oh, and by the way, on Nathan Lyon on this ground, this was where he took seven for 92. Uh, when they toured here in, in 2013. So he's got fond memories of being in Delhi. I better let you go. Uh, those stretch limos can't get down all streets, so uh, I can understand why <laughs> I might have dropped you off down the road. We'll talk soon. Adam, good calling. Cheers, Blaine. <laughs> Adam Collins, SEN cricket commentator in Delhi. SEN's coverage of the second test starts Friday across the SEN network. SEN's greatest AFL team since 2000 tournament continues today. Thanks to Werribee Kia. You can head to the SEN Twitter page to cast your vote on today's matchup, and we'll work our way through it over the next few weeks toward the naming of the greatest AFL team in the last 23 years. So head to the SEN social media channels to check out the full bracket of matchups. The winners to go through to the next round from yesterday. Richmond's 2017 team defeated Sydney's 2012 Premiership team with a 54.7% of the vote. Hawthorne's 2014 Premiership team defeated St Kilda's 2009 team with 57.6% of the vote. And Geelong's 2007 Premiership team smashed Adelaide's 2006 team with 87% of the vote. So your calls today, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Who would win Hawthorne's 2015 Premiership team up against Sydney's 2005 drought-breaking premiership team. We've got tickets to the Melbourne Beer Fest to give away, so your call's through until the end of the show. So let me read you the teams as it stands right now. I think, in my own mind, that the Hawthorne team would beat Sydney. They were, well, they were criticised by the boss of the AFL, this Paul Roos team, for being a little boring. But they were very defensive, but they were great. They were still a really good team. So your thoughts, though. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to join us on this, the team that the Swans had in the 05 Grand Final, which they won the Premiership with in a Grand Final where they scored eight goals, 10 to the West Coast, 7-12. Low-scoring game from the back line. Sydney, Bolton, Barry, Crouch. Halfbacks, Matthews, Robert Thompson, Kennelly. Centre line, Williams, Goods, Dempster. Half forwards, O'Keefe, Hall, Bolton. Forward line, Davis, O'Loughlin, Buchanan. The Rucks, Jolly. Ablett and Kirk, and the interchange, Ball, Bevan, Fosdyke, and Schneider. So Paul Roos coached that team. And up against the 2015 Hawthorne team. From the back line, Hawthorne, Stratton, Lake, Frawley, halfbacks, Birchall, Gibson, Burgoyne, centre line, Hill, Mitchell, Isaac Smith, half forwards, Rioli, Sean Makers, Gunston, forward line, Bruce, Roughhead, Puopolo, Rux, Hale, Lewis, Hodge, gee, it's a good team. 
Um, the interchange, Duray, McAvoy, Shields and Suckling. Their emergencies, by the way. Segler couldn't get a game. Litherland and Hartung. So who would win? Who would win in that head-to-head Sydney's 2005 Premiership team or Hawthorne's 2015 Premiership team? The head-to-head brought to us by Werribee Kia. Let's have a look at one of the old articles from the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, quoting Andrew Demetrio, I think on Triple M, saying we don't tell football clubs how to play, but obviously we take notice of how things are going. And I guess um, I, like others, would like to see Sydney Swans winning more games because... It's a very important market for us, but I don't like at all the way they're playing football, but that's just a personal view. He goes on to say um, in this article, unless the Swans change that style of play, they won't win many football matches. So there you go. Uh, It was a controversial way of playing at the time, but they won a premiership with it. Uh, Jamie in Frankston, who would win? Welcome to you, Jamie. G'day, Dwayne. I think it'd be 50-50, mate. The contrasting styles of play, one's uncontested, the other one's contested. So it really come down to the weather on the day. And uh, I think you're right. I think Sydney would try and strangle the game and Hawthorne would try and open it up. Yeah, so Hawthorne had some brilliant players and it's a, you know, it's a long time later, nine years later, but they had some guys who are absolute superstars in terms of knowing how to open the game up and win games of football as opposed to you know, even breaking defensive holds. On them, they've got some pretty good names in that team. Appreciate your call, Jamie. John in Port Augusta, who would win it? I reckon Hawthorne, Dwayne. To be honest, I reckon that's one of the greatest sides I've ever seen. That and well, Hawthorne was in my time was just great VFLAFL sides. Um, but with Hodge Silk coming off half back or back pocket, whatever you want to put him, John Burgoyne, Joe Ruffey was underrated. I think. Yeah, I'm I agree with you. I know that. Yeah, no, bloody good player, Joe Ruffy. Terrific player. And um, don't get me wrong, Adam Good's a superstar. And out and out, uh, Michael Lachlan, these blokes are really good players, Paul Williams. But I, just, I think I think Hawthorne would win and probably win reasonably comfortably. Yeah, when you talk of superstars, I mean, Hodge, Lewis, um, you know, roughhead underrated. Sirioli, arguably the greatest half-forward flanker we've ever seen. That centre line of Brad Hill, Sam Mitchell, and Isaac Smith. And Isaac Smith showed how good he's still going last year. And when you, you know, add your backline, Stratton, Lake, and Frawley, pretty damn good backline when it comes to, you know, the star factor. And, I mean, Stratton was a great leader in his own right. Birchall, Gibson, and Sean Burgoyne coming off a half-back flank. It's a pretty good team. I know that Sydney had some good ones as well. And you mentioned Adam Goods, an absolute standout as a superstar of the competition. Mickey O., as well. Nick Davis, a great game winner in his own right. Uh, Ryan O'Keefe, Barry Hall, Jude Bolton, the half-forward line's pretty good. But uh, yeah, I still think Hawthorne might get the chocolates in it. But one 300 Appreciate your call, John. Who would win it? Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria. Get expert legal advice. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. A couple of texts that have come through. Um, hi Dwayne, absolute special Sydney Swans would win Peak, uh, Peter from Peakhurst, thanks for that Peter uh, another text here the Sydney team would win by putting Hawthorne to sleep um, thanks for that uh, hi Dwayne, this is one that carried over from about 15-20 minutes ago selfless by Zorko, also Lockie Neal next captain by the length of Coventry State, Adam from South Bank thanks for that 